The NBA schedule is out, and we know a little more about what this Phoenix Suns season will look like on today's episode of Locked On Suns. The most interesting stretches of the season, how their national TV schedule and strength of schedule compares to the rest of the NBA. And DeAndre Ayton just keeps doing it for the Bahamas. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credential media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcasts. A big thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen here on schedule release day. Maybe it's Friday for you, wherever you're finding the show. We appreciate you being with us each and every day, starting next month. We're Monday through Monday, Wednesday, Friday here in August, but just search Locked On Suns wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Hit follow or subscribe. Get this show in your feed each and every day in the not-too-distant future. Become an everyday or get locked on to the Phoenix Suns. Aaron Edwards is joining us as he does every week. Aaron, we always joke that Thursdays give us a lot of news, um, and that happened again today, so very good timing because this is mid-August and there's not a lot going on. We do have DeAndre Ayton to hit at the end, but let's start with the schedule, which rolled out on ESPN today, and then all the teams emailed uh, right as the show is starting, so really... Uh, not sure if that broadcast was needed, but regardless, let's just talk through uh, the the biggest kind of stretches, the things that have our mind, whether you and I uh, go to games, obviously, probably me a little more than than everyone else. But, you know, uh, we all are, are, are circling the days we want to buy tickets and all that this time of year. So we'll just hit on what excites us, what intrigues us. And this might be a strange place to start because obviously the Suns host a game or they are on the road in San Francisco on opening night. They're hosting a game on Christmas, both big matchups with rivalries and different player beefs and whatever you want to point to. I am excited that we get to see Victor Wembanyama twice in the first two weeks of the season. <laughs> That's a, I literally tweeted that yeah. the second it dropped. I was like, we get Wemby the second week and we get him twice in a row. Like, That's going to be fun. Like, I'm not... We're going to get into like just this team in general later, but I just think it's fun to be one of the first yeah. teams to get him and get him out here because that's going to sell out. Everybody's going to want to see that. Are the Suns and Spurs <laughs> going to have like a little bit of a thing again here if if they get good? Because obviously they still play each other a lot and that history is not going anywhere. Everybody who was around for those seven seconds or less days are still Suns fans if Robert Sarver didn't scare too many of them away. So... It feels like we're headed there, and I'm actually kind of excited. I also think we'll we'll get to Aiton, like I said, but it's kind of a good test for him early on in the year to have to kind of deal with the pressure and stress of that. You don't want to be the guy early in the year that gets Vic on the map, uh, on like the Bleacher Report map. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think like, I, I think it's just fun when Arizona has a rivalry with the Texas team in general, and I think the league is always better that way. Like, we've always had beef with at least one of them, <laughs> and or, like, the Lakers, obviously, but I just think when it's a – like, it's a different – like, we're kind of the same state a little bit, so I think it's, like, a lot of the same fans, and I love it when it's, like, a t- San Antonio and Phoenix rivalry or a Dallas and Phoenix rivalry. Like, it just matches perfect, 
And I just think the league is better when we have both of those. So I can, yeah, they're young and they're going to be up and coming now because they're figuring stuff out and they have the pieces. So I can see it being a pretty fun, fun rivalry later, even though our dudes are. That's older. true. But I'm excited to see who the who becomes the hated spur. Uh, I don't even know if I quite have <laughs> a guess yet. Those guys haven't mixed it up with anybody enough to, to be that way. It feels like Jeremy Sohan is is the early front runner, though. Um, speaking of rivalries, the Suns do play the Mavs again. I think that was their opponent during the uh, constructed and and very uh, kind of fake rivalry <laughs> week that the NBA is trying to put together, and that is uh, that's yeah. Phoenix's <laughs> opponent there. I continue to maintain that it's not really a huge rivalry, but I do think the Book Lucas <laughs> stuff is enough to to tune in, and then obviously Kyrie versus KD, but. Um, as far as stretches of games go, they're doing a lot of this kind of clustered stuff again where you play the same opponent in the same city twice or back-to-back in a home-and-home home type of thing if it's, a, if it's a city nearby. So that will be nice. I like that. But the Suns have a long home stand at the end of December into early January. Uh, or, sorry, at the beginning of December. And then uh, basically the... December 1st through the 17th. They're home that entire time. There is a stretch of the in-season tournament there. Uh, And then their longest road trip happens, I believe, in March, um, when they have five straight games from late March into early April that are all on the road. And to me, Aaron, that's like the... March and April is is the part that my my attention went to because there's two games against the Nuggets, multiple games against the Clippers... Uh, it feels like if the standings are tight, almost all those games are going to be very, very important and and pretty big in terms of just national TV and attention and all that stuff. Yeah, um, to, like a quick thing to your Dallas say, yeah, I don't think it's a rivalry. I think it's a rivalry with Luca, and I think it's just enough to push it over. But yeah, I don't really like I said like a couple of weeks ago. Like, we can't get the Game 7 back because their whole team is different, ours is different, so it's not really a rivalry anymore. And with the stretches, I just saw, like, a Warriors fan post, like, what do you think the Warriors record's going to be first 15 games or whatever? Like, they were talking about a stretch. And I think we probably have the most clueless part (laughs) in, like, a first 15-game stretch. Like, we don't know this team. Like, we could be, like, two and... 13 like we're gonna be 13 and two like it really does like we i'm like that's not gonna happen but i just mean like we know so little like we don't even know who's gonna be the main ball handler of this team so like i think that we have like the most clueless we're gonna be learning on the fly with this team like the first couple games so i think we can't really gauge like what our record would be like 15 like other teams they know they have Steph. they know they have well maybe you're gonna have lebron at the start of the season or ad and like stuff like that we don't know who's going to have the ball. We don't know rotations. Yeah. Like, we don't know any of this. So I think stretch-wise, we don't know what we're about to – like, we're going to be learning with everybody else. So I think those March and April games are going to be important because we're going to have to have that stuff figured out by then. Like, we're going to have to, like, know a lot on who's our guards, who's the rotation. Like, is Book playing the entire first again? Is he doing all that stuff? And is Beal getting the entire second? Like, are we doing stuff like that? Like, that's the stuff we're going to have to figure out when we start playing these really good teams – we're figuring out playoff seating. So that March, April stretch is going to be really important. No, all great points. Cause I've had the, I I kind of talked about it on the show too, of like 
there's a version where this team clicks right away, and I think they hit their over if you're talking about betting or you're just whatever. They're they're a really dominant regular season team, but I think there is a version where it does take a bit, um, and maybe they're in like the high 40s in wins just because of that. So I think the fact, I mean, the the Spurs thing is fun, but it's also nice to play the Spurs twice early on, and and the Jazz, <laughs> and you have the Pistons, Bulls, Thunder. I mean, that that could be easier, hard depending on how things shake out, but also just the fact that you look at January and March specifically, those are months when the Suns have at least three back-to-backs in each month and a bunch of times where it's three and five nights, four and six nights, whatever. Uh, To have those at the end of the year, we don't know what injuries will look like, so that's the downside if you are dealing with health that it's coming right when the schedule tightens up, but I would take it to have the schedule be a little bit lighter at the beginning just because of what you said of how this team is probably going to need to figure some things out. You wouldn't want to have your toughest stretch be right away, which some teams have to have it that way. Yeah, I would like us to click early because I do think there's going to be some low, like Katie loves hooping. We know that he's hooping right now, probably as we speak, but we're going to have to do some load managing with him and he's going to have to sit a little bit. And I think Vogel knows that, but we also going to have to have this yeah. team click. It's like, luckily, we've already had him here, so he kind of knows that. But he's learning from a new coach now. Like, all of this stuff is new. So, like, yes, stuff has to click early, but we also are going to have to rest KD as much as we can for the final stretch at the end of the season. So I can see him resting early if we do figure out, like, the stuff that I was talking about earlier. If we can figure that out fast, then KD can get the rest that he needs. If not, he's going to have to grind it out for a little bit and maybe start resting, like, January, February, before that big stretch comes. But Katie's going to have to rest. We all know this. It's been every year so far that something crazy has happened. So I'd rather us finish, like, figure this stuff out early and then KD can kind of dial it back a little bit because he is older. And so, like, yeah, I'd rather him just kind of learn this stuff fast. That way we can start giving him the rest he's going to need sooner or later. Chris Paul returning. November 22nd, it looks like, if, if he plays in that game. And then uh, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson on December 13th will be their first return to the Valley. So some of those will be obviously once the circle as well. But let's talk about the national TV schedule, how the Suns compare to other teams and that sort of storyline, which I've been tracking, as well as strength of schedule and just sort of really getting our arms around what this season might look like for the team. We'll do that after a quick word from FanDuel football season is kicking off soon, and FanDuel has you covered with what I think is their best offer ever. They're giving you a chance to win all season long. When you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets back each time that they tally up a win in the regular season. So you want to pick a team with good value for the Super Bowl, but not necessarily a favorite, although everybody's plus odds this time of year, and you get points, you get money, not points, you get money when they win, during the regular season. So pick a team that's, that's going to pile up wins, that has a good shot, and you will profit. <laughs> Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, get bonus bets for every victory. Use those bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to start earning those bonus bets. With that offer, at America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Keeping it rolling, let's talk about strength of schedule um so the suns are ninth in the nba in strength of schedule this season the nuggets uh ninth lowest um the average last year's record of their opponents this year is 
right about 500. So really you're only talking about a span between 48% win percentage last season for the Nuggets schedule and a 53% win percentage last year for the Spurs schedule. So it's not as if anybody's like a huge outlier on either end, but the Suns are on the right side of this. They obviously don't have to play themselves, so that helps. But um, that, I think, has to make you feel good combined with the, the pretty nice early stretch Aaron um I don't think we've talked about this but it's a good time to check in on it because again the Nuggets have the easiest schedule but not a lot of Western Conference teams round out the rest of the top 10 only Utah is the other West team in the top 10 of easiest schedules where do you expect the Suns to be in the standings oh, I thought we were gonna get I to mean I'll do it right um, now because <laughs> the other part of this is national TV which doesn't really that's all narrative crap so let just just give it to me yeah, I think like with like notwithstanding like the KD rest stuff that I want that I want to happen, and we're gonna get to the DA stuff later. I think we can still be in that third or fourth spot, depending on how fast they pick up everything and like the rotations and who's gonna be playing and all that stuff. I can see us being third or fourth. There's gonna be a stretch where we look like the best team in the league. I think I really believe that. I think there's gonna be one where a couple games where they figure it out and maybe they fall back a little bit. But I can see us ripping off like nine or ten in a row or eleven, and like people be like, "All right, like it was this is always going to happen." So yeah, I can see us like just building off of something like that, just starting off hot or getting hot in the middle of the season, us still ending up at like the third or fourth spot. So the Warriors, Lakers, and Kings have three of the six hardest strength of schedules. Again, not a huge gap. Not like this is going to decide everything in the league this year, but that's worth noting. Um, I had it. Uh, Brandon and I went on, went through it on Monday. And I think he had the over-under for seeding at, like, two and a half. So it was basically, like, are they going to be, like, right behind what most people would guess would be Denver at number one or below that? And I said that they'll be the second seed. And mostly is just because I don't see another team to do it, you know? I I think (laughs) a lot of teams will be in a similar kind of health situation as the Suns. So you might point to a team that has okay, well, they're young, they're this and that, but that usually has been the Grizzlies the past few years or the, even the Jazz, but both Jazz don't exist anymore like they yeah. were, and the Grizzlies aren't going to have Jaws. So you're looking at the Lakers, the Clippers, the Warriors. All those teams are, are pretty similar in that boat. So I think the Suns will be the two seed. Today's schedule stuff makes me feel even better about that. I do think a team like the Kings or even the Pelicans could be one you know, um, exception to really push Phoenix, but... I think that they could have a pretty up and down regular season and still get there personally. Um, what about win streak? Oh, no, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I mean, I hate to say it. I think the Lakers are going to be good. I think Austin Reeves is actually yeah. over. <laughs> and I can see him like really carrying a lot of the weight that they might like need him to. I really think he's up for the yeah. job, honestly. <laughs> so I can see them being pretty decent and, they already kind of know each other. You got LeBron at the end of the day and you got AD and that's just a good spot to start with Austin Reeves running with them now. So yeah, I can see them probably being at like a three or two spot too, depending on LeBron's going to load manage a lot this year, I think. So like, it's another one of those things that you, you got to have like your team, like be able to play together, but you got to get LeBron his rest too. So it depends on how they're going to end up from a regular season standpoint. I think keeping Russell actually was pretty big for them because obviously, you know, all of us have questions about if D'Lo is like a great playoff player, but 
in the regular season if they had not been able to keep him if another team had given him given him a good offer or if they had traded him for a pick or something like that you know this team is really just not that deep so they only have like eight guys that you really trust uh, and even Jared Vanderbilt's kind yeah. of a question mark you're you know Jackson Hayes might like start for them you know and so they're really yeah. they're really betting on like Max Christie or uh like Cam Reddish to step up in order for them to have a lot of depth so that's that's a question for me cam reddish has to work for somebody sooner or later <laughs> coach k couldn't do it i'm not exactly sure uh if darvin ham is necessarily going to be able to but then again lebron is has pulled uh you know rabbits out of his hat before and, and turned guys into something so we'll see but yeah i think uh i i think the suns have a, a i mean they could even get the one seed it's, it's like the nuggets are some sort yeah. of just juggernaut last year in the regular season they were like good but not not great so we'll see there too yeah and they have they have the best player in the league so i think you give yourself like that much space uh, malone might be like who cares like we got Jokic. we'll take the fourth yeah. third seat like we don't care you still have to play Jokic. like and his game travels literally anywhere so and championship teams they get smart like that it was after a while where LeBron didn't care about getting yeah. the one seed. He was just like, let's just get to the playoffs and we'll figure it out later. And I think when you have the best player in the league, you can do stuff like that. So I can see them kind of doing it and being like, Phoenix, you can have the one. You can have the two. Just see us in the playoffs. We'll see you in the Western Conference Finals kind of thing. And that would be smart yeah, for them, Yeah, and you too. see Jamal Murray not playing in the World Cup, so that's kind of already an indication they're not. And, and yeah. same with Jokic, although that came out even longer ago. So, you know, that patience is already kind of showing up. So we'll see. I think uh, real quick – winning streak we talked about this too i mean we don't have to go it's awful content to go through the actual schedule and be like win 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 but uh whether that changed your opinion or not we had it at nine and a half do you feel like they they bust off a a, a double digit win streak this season i can see it happening like i think it like book can get hot at any moment and there's going to be one game or a couple like i said a couple stretches where it clicks for all three of them. I remember those Warriors team when it was uh, Steph and KD and Clay, and the games were like, because every once in a while I'd be like, oh man, Clay went like two for seven, but KD and Steph went off. And then it would be like the other way around. But the games when like all three clicked at the same time was just special. <laughs> and I can see us just having a couple of those where it just clicks for all three and maybe even eight and just goes off and has like an 18 rebound game or something like I just can like it's so many pieces and moving parts that we have now. I can see sometimes it just clicking and us just kind of just going yeah, on. Yeah, we had it as like, I mean, it, it's exactly the kind of point in the year when the Suns made their 18 game win streak a couple of seasons ago, but like December to February, once they've had some time, and you know now seeing the schedule, I I see a stretch from like mid-December after the in-season tournament break they have a back-to-back with the Warriors and the Nets but after that you know it's like the only real tough game is Dallas on Christmas but other than that it's the Wizards the Blazers the Kings the Rockets Hornets Magic Blazers like something like that feels pretty right and a lot of those are at home so Rockets gonna be fun well they beat the Suns twice last year so I guess uh shouldn't uh, (laughs) count the chickens before they hatch but real quick on the on the national TV side of things. So uh, this list includes NBA TV, which to me is fake because I actually think less people can watch those than uh, most games, so whatever. But uh, 37 yeah. for the Suns 
and then 40 for the Lakers, 41 for the Warriors. I got to admit, that's closer than I was expecting, even though I did make the case last week that I expected we would see the Sun start to catch up for that late-night slot uh, that always kind of has to be filled by a West Coast team. Obviously, Suns fans who do go to games know that that means 8 o'clock tips for us a lot of the year, which is really (laughs) brutal. But I do also feel like the Blazers being bad and the Clippers having some uncertainty also helped the Suns, not just Phoenix getting better. But what did you make of that? Because I I had this whole segment last week where I'm like, the Suns are going to be the biggest story in the NBA this season. I I was maybe getting ahead of myself because the Lakers and Warriors are always going to kind of have that built in for them. But I think this kind of makes me feel like we actually might be headed toward at least close to the coverage of those two teams. Yeah, I think once um, we signed, like once we got Vogel and once the Bill thing happened, I figured we would be pretty much up there. I honestly thought we'd be second. I didn't think the, I mean, they're the Lakers, but still, like I thought with the LeBron foot thing and them not knowing if he'd be there in probably like the first month or, or so, like he's still been pretty tight lipped about this entire thing. So I think him probably being tight lipped about it gave them the, those games anyway, but, and they're also being the Lakers. But, yeah, like, I figured we'd be up there to the point where we'd be close to the Lakers, at least. And Warriors, like, Steph is the most watched player most of the time in every rating. He usually has him as the highest game that uh, people watch. So, yeah, the Warriors are probably going to always be up there as long as Steph is there. But, yeah, like, it just made sense that it would be us. I'm is I'm sure Dallas and uh, Luka and Kyrie are probably up pretty high, too. Even though we don't know if they're going to be good or not. Yeah, it's hard to tell. Um I agree on all counts. I feel like it's it has to be sustained, but at the very least, like this team will be talked about. This team will be whatever happens, daily news, drama, games, everything, and yeah. it's going to be different. It's going to be a bunch of first take clips about it. It's exactly. going to be weird. <laughs> and I mean, I, I guess I didn't say this enough at the beginning, so I'll just wrap up the schedule stuff with this. I am. Super excited about the game against the Warriors on opening night. KD has not played in San Francisco in front of an actual crowd since he left, and obviously the Chris Paul element of it, and it's those teams always get up for each other. Like, I know the Clay Book thing got a lot of attention, but that game was scra- – those games have been scrappy r- separate from that, you know, and Draymond and KD, yeah. Draymond and Book, Draymond and anybody, you know, I think I think those every time those teams play will be fun, but especially with the extra stakes of opening night and KD stuff, uh, that one I'm I'm really really pumped for. I kind of wish it was here, but obviously, you do want it there for the KD side of it. Yeah, I'm excited for KD and LeBron. Like it hasn't happened in forever, and I just I mean, if it actually happens, like, it seems like something happens every time. Yeah, they play the Nuggets <laughs> on opening night, so watch him season. play that one and rest the second one or something. <laughs> yeah, so, like, we'll see if it actually happens. But anytime those two are on the floor, you know Katie is always up for it. Like, you can tell every single time. <laughs> and LeBron knows Katie's going to come after him, so he's up for it. So I think, like, that's just going to be fun. All right, let's close out with some additional thoughts on DeAndre Ayton, who continues to play these Olympic qualifiers. I think a lot of people expected the Argentina game would just be a big L for the Bahamas. They came back from double digits down. uh, DA had another double-double, had a a viral clip of himself in the huddle talking guys up. Uh, New man, DeAndre Ayton. We'll talk about, as it continues to build, what it might mean for the Suns, for his career, all of that good stuff, after one more quick break. All right, closing out the show, closing out the week. 
Aaron, uh, I posted when I went to uh, see your show last night that you made me laugh about something besides DeAndre Ayton. Um, so it's it's perfect timing to talk about DeAndre Ayton. But I don't know if I'm like joking here when I feel from. Oh, is he back? <laughs> no. Uh, you sound see, but like I was back. never as gone as you were, so I don't know if I have to be. Uh, I don't know if I have to be pulled back. But no, I mean, I I think basketball wise, it's always going to be a question. But we know that the main thing that's fluctuated, uh, guys don't lose skill. Like they don't lose whatever. They lose confidence, yeah. and so I feel like this indicates to me more than anything else, just continuing to build confidence. And there's plenty of dudes overseas who look like different people, right? I mean, Kristaps Porzingis, he's yeah. not playing in this World Cup. Uh, I, like any of the Spanish and Argentinian guys or have always been better for their national teams just playing with people they're familiar with and all that. I wouldn't say that's really happening with DA because I don't think he's ever played with these guys before. Um, but that there's a history of that. I'm not trying to get ahead of myself, but I just watch him uh, personality-wise. He's chirping at the crowd. He's doing the, you know, the, the riling up of his guys, you know, pumping up the, the, his teammates in the huddle and just playing with an emotion that we really haven't seen a lot from him, at least the past two seasons. So that's what that's what I feel like is is real. I mean, there's no way around that. Like anybody who's ever done anything knows the difference between how Aiton looked at the end of this past season and how he looks <laughs> right now. And I mean, whether you think it's going to continue or not, it obviously looks and feels very different. Yeah, and I, like a lot of people laughed when he said he's gonna he's trying to change the narrative and he sees everything that people talk about. And it would be like crazy to see him do this now and not take it seriously. Like he's pretty much doing the like he's attacking everything that we attack about him. He had like five dunks in the first game. Like he's attacking people. He's being vocal. Like he's getting hype. Like he seems like he cares. And that's always been like our main thing: just to care and attack and like be the athlete that we think you are. And yeah, like if like he said the words and it looks like he's really trying to live up to the words that he said, because he's doing exactly what we wanted him to do all along. And yes, like he's done that other seasons where he'll just go on a tear and we'll be like, wow, Aiden had 20 and 20. That's crazy. And then he'll just kind of fall apart like a couple games later, but like, it really does seem like a new energy for him, but we'll see once there's like, bigger fit like bigger cooks in the kitchen and there's a lot more voices going and because he's the only dude that's been in the finals on that team like he's technically the star on that team and like he's the guy like he's not he's gonna not be the guy but he can still be vocal and do all that stuff so i want to see if it transfers once he gets back to playing with hall of famers and a new coach and stuff like that like if he can manage to do that too, then yeah, he's a new dude. yeah i mean i he also had three blocks and two steals in the argentina game um, the blocks thing yeah, is bigger. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> it, I don't know. It's just also the consistency of it. The fact that it's it's you know two very similar games. Again, it's only two. But to your point about the the interview that he gave about wanting to kind of not be so hated, basically, is it's not a coincidence to me that he said that to Bahamas media, you know, and and he's doing this for his yeah. national team and and like. As much as you could look at it and, and say the thing I just said of guys have looked very much better on their national teams than they do in the NBA, and that's understandable for a bunch of different reasons, you could also look at it and understandably getting that opportunity could 
invigorate you in a different type of way than just another training camp in the NBA would, you know? Um, like I, I know we, like I talked about this with Brandon a little bit too, of like, I, it's hard not to go back and forth on everybody on this team because it's a daily podcast. (laughs) But I think the only real thing that I feel like can return to him that, that has gone missing is the confidence side of it. And that, that it's totally reasonable to think that that could come back with an opportunity and an experience like this. I mean, what else would it, I mean, all of us would feel a lot more purpose and meaning and excitement around getting this type of opportunity. I mean, they're trying to, uh, to qualify for the Olympics. Like that's not some insignificant little tournament Mm -hmm. that he's, that he's participating in, you know? Yeah. I think this being like the first time he's played for this team, like, and in this type of environment, plus like, he's on an NBA team that has high aspirations now. Like, yeah, we had him like the year that we lost to Dallas and stuff, but this is the most talented team he's ever played on. He is legit the fourth option on it. And he still is going to have to bring it every night because I don't, I think this team still goes as far as he goes. Like if he's out there like being old Aiden, then I think it's just going to be a struggle for him. But if he can bring that type of energy to like a team that has the aspirations that this one has, like even more than, the other teams he's played for, like he's on a team with like stars and they're going to run and they're doing all the stuff that he's probably wanted to do, like running, not having to do pick and rolls all day, um, not just being yelled at by his point guard, the head coach. Like this is set up for him finally. Like he has no out now. <laughs> he has no excuse. This is set up for him to like really go off. And it's really nice that he has this opportunity for the national team because it can be like a perfect way to catapult him to like the team that he's about to go to. I think that's a perfect way to put it. It's like, this is a a situation in a, in an environment where he is featured. He is playing with other NBA players, even though it's only Buddy Heald and Eric Gordon. And there's a lot on the line. You would expect him to play well. And he is like, you know, so we'll see what happens beyond that. (laughs) But the opposite could have very well happened and we would have felt even worse. So we'll see. Uh, Eric Gordon, I just want to, Give him a salute. Uh, he's bringing Mori Ball to to the uh, Caribbean. I feel like F- ten. Uh, <laughs> oh, I was looking at it wrong. I thought he had ten three point attempts and twelve free throw attempts. I, I had it wrong. He had only two three threes, um, and then he had that amazing dunk yeah. that went viral. I, yeah. I two threes. Yeah, is it, crazy it, that's why I assumed it because Buddy Hield had ten threes. So I'm like, okay, they're just jacking threes. The other guys are, you know, running pick and rolls or whatever they're doing. And, and Ay- Aiton's dominating inside, but no, I guess EG was uh, throwing it back a little bit. I'm just, I, I don't have a lot of takes on the Eric Gordon side. Cause I think this is just pretty normal for him. He's a vet and he should be pr- kind of putting up production, but I, this guy's not exactly young. So I'm just optimistic that he, he still looks athletic, physically ready to play good, still productive, all that stuff. Cause Honestly, the the Clippers series didn't end great for him. So I'm just I'm just glad he's back on track. Yeah, I mean, they were asking him a lot toward the end of that Clippers series. So like that was kind of just on their injuries. Like, yes, Eric Gordon's out there because they need him to jack up shots. And he did, but they weren't falling sooner or later. But I don't blame the Clippers series on him. Like they it was just a tough opportunity. Like he's gonna get probably five threes a game for the Suns, four, four and a half, five. And that's just like kind of where you want it. Get to the rim, run the offense a little bit. You'll probably be out there with Beal. Like we're not going to be asking him to do that much. You stuff. mentioned Houston uh, in the last segment. And I just, the the number one 
great part of the whole EG saga since he left the Rockets is that the Clippers traded the pick that ended up becoming Cam Whitmore for him, which if Whitmore even makes good on half the potential that people think he has as like a guy that could have gone in the top five and look really good in summer league, it's just going to be like an all-timer. For such an insignificant trade at the deadline, <laughs> to have that become Cam Whitmore, yeah. if he's even like a starter, let alone like better than that, it's going to be a hilarious one to look back on. And they didn't even get to keep him because they had to cut him for money reasons, and he ends up in Phoenix on a minimum. So uh, I just love everything about that. I don't really know why I have beef against <laughs> the Clippers. I think it's just playing them a couple times and having to watch uh, that series play out and them kind of getting on my nerves in different ways. Their fans are weird and annoying. In the bad dev push. Yeah. yeah. So uh, their fans just have like a little brother syndrome that they just have to like overdo everything. So I think that's what gets on my nerves a little bit. But anyway, Cam Whitmore, I uh, hope he's an NBA all-star and that can just kind of be tied up with a, a nice little bow. But that will wrap us up. That will tie a bow on the show for the week. We'll see what happens next week. I, I, I don't exactly know where we're headed, but we will have Michael Schwartz on uh, next Wednesday. You know him from ESPN. He's on the Zach Lowe podcast, often talking sons. Been trying to get him for, I literally think, two years. So we're finally scheduled to chat sons. And then Aaron will be back. Brandon will be back. That'll be our week. Season preview coverage in the not-too-distant future. So hit follow or subscribe wherever you're finding this show. Just search Locked on Sons. Get it in your feed. Become an everydayer. I'll talk to you guys next week.